three, two, one. Welcome to the special Derby Day edition of the Topical City Podcast. We're here to talk about only the Derby and nothing else. Um, as a bit of a, a change of pace. Um, I do only have one of the other Etihads with me today, and that is uh, our pal Richard. It's the best other Etihad, I think. Certainly the one that's been doing best out of the, the three of us in the table. All right. Um, <laughs> I do have to say, um, I did get a call from James's doctor uh, earlier today, Richard, and unfortunately, um, he oh, won't no. be joining us today because he is uh, he's points negative. Uh, so, oh my god! So, still, uh, he's going to have to to go away and see if he can resolve that a little bit. Uh, but uh, yeah, he won't be coming in today. Oh my days! Just when you think he's turned the corner, he goes and does something stupid like pick a really shit lineup again and. Well, yeah, I wouldn't speak too, too much of that. Speaking of, do you want to give an update <laughs> on the table? Your man, Richard, still at the top there. All three of us have played three podcasts, of course. This podcast isn't necessarily going to go towards any points. So I think despite James not being here, we should still have all played the same amount by the end, uh, or at least by the next episode. So we've all played three. I'm at the top with seven. However, I did lose a point because I got four wrong in the Wolves lineup. It's poor. So it was pretty difficult. Yeah, yeah. You know what? I'm not going to make any excuses. Just, you know, pick myself up. And what happens when we fall down, Cam? Uh, you hopefully stay down so I can get more points. <laughs> I wanted a, <laughs> I wanted a Michael Caine impression. We'll get back, of, up. We'll get back up, Master Wayne. <laughs> Master Wayne, you get back up. Uh, in second place, you've got Cameron, who gained a point from the debate win in the last episode, but lost a point for mentioning Yaya's birthday cake there. So after the Wolves game, he's still on two points there. The most and important part James, is I, I didn't lose any points for the Wolves game, unlike somebody else and somebody else. So that's that's the most important part. Well, yeah, James lost points from the Wolves lineup as well. He also got four wrong, so he's in minus minus off of that. So he's now in minus two. But I think we need to address Cameron. You did get your points total wrong I <laughs> from did, the last Etihad's table. So I, you have <laughs> lost a point, but it's a correction because you couldn't count correctly. Yeah, right? I admitted it, and therefore I'm absolved from further punishment. I'm not sure that I that's think. true. Well, but... we'd have had to bring it up today because everybody's not here. Uh, we can't call it a quorum, <laughs> so let's just leave it at that. Eh? You get off with a technicality. Exactly. The best kind of getting off. Let's have a well, quick chat. I'll ask your fiancé if that's actually the case. <laughs> let's have a quick chat, uh, not about the Wolves game, because this is, this is the Derby Day special. And there'll be no talk of other clubs, but let's talk about the Wolves game in a way that relates to it. Um, what do you think we can learn from that Wolves game ahead of the, the Derby on Sunday? You have just written a, a column about five things you learn. Yes. For yeah. City Extra. So what specifically can we take out of that game ahead of the United game on Sunday? The main thing that I wrote about there that I'd want to take out of it is our sort of perseverance, patience and determination in uh, kind of sh- taking a stranglehold on the game the quick pressing, making sure that United get seen none of the ball like we managed to restrict Wolves within that one. And 
yeah, basically, I want to see that high press. I want to see it quick. I want to see it any time a United player gets on the ball, they just get surrounded by City players, a swarm. I think that we were really good in that. It was just completely ruthless against Wolves. And yeah, I want that exact same passion and attitude against Manchester United because, I mean, we'll get into it a bit more further on, but we've not fared too well against them at the Etihad recently, in recent seasons. So perfect opportunity to put that right. And that's the biggest thing I'd take out of the, the Wolves game to do against United. How about yourself, mate? I agree. It's, it's going to be a very bitty game. A lot of hacking at people. So we, we just need to not let the dander down and just completely go at them constantly. That, that's why we managed to absolutely battle Wolves in the last 15 minutes. And I just hope it doesn't end up one of those days where we're hitting the post every time and, and getting slight saves around the course. That's what it looked like against Wolves to me was we were doing everything but score. Yeah. So, yeah, we just need to keep... Let me ask you it. something there then, mate. Was you, when in the Wolves game, when it was 1-1, you know, we, we've had a goal ruled out by VAR. We can't get the ball in the back of the net. It feels very last season that. Uh, is your attitude now shifted to, I think this Manchester City team can overcome this no matter what, or is it still a bit, ah, fuck, it's one of them games. I think we're going to struggle. I think that West Ham Wolves game is the first time we've had a lot of trouble since that, that winning run started. It's the first time I've sort of gone, looked at a game and thought, we're doing everything we can, especially the Wolves game, we're doing everything we can and it's just not going in. So technically, we have the best team we've maybe ever had and they should be able to do anything. But at the same time, there's always that city mindset of what on earth do you have to do to get it in the back of the net? Especially yeah. yesterday. And, and I can only imagine that's compounded by 10 against United as well. Yeah, I, I think I'll feel the pressure a lot more against United. But to be honest with you, in I think it hit me when we played Everton away. I was like, this is going to take some individual moment of brilliance from someone like Mares to see us through this. But I am confident that this City side can do that. And, you know, in the Wolves game, I just thought back to that and thought, yeah, actually, you know, we've got the players on the pitch who can do this. So they'll keep knocking on the door. And if it doesn't open, we'll fucking take a sledgehammer and bang it through. So, um, yeah, if we can take that into the United game, then I'll be more than happy. I'm not quite at that level of confidence, but uh, I think should we beat United, which again, I'm, I'm confident we will, but at the same time, I'm not. Um, should we beat them, I might be a little more leaning towards that. But at the moment, Derby nerves are kicking in, I'm afraid. Uh, so <laughs> we'll finish talking about the Wolves. Already? Uh, normally, we would sp- spend a bit of time talking about the Wolves game. But because it's Derby Day special, thought it'd be nicer to talk about some other good games, uh, particularly our favourite derbies. Uh, I know I've I've oh, listed yeah. two in our agenda. I don't know if there's any more you want to talk about, but the first one I'd like to talk about is my favourite derby, which is of course the last derby at Main Road, the three-one win, uh, oh, and wow. it is entirely mainly down to Sean Gotter making Gary Devil look like a bug by, by his own net. <laughs> um, Managing to beat them, lift the curse, as they say, in the very last uh, game at Main Road. Uh, what are your so I did a bit of research on that one for the um, when we did our debate. I think it was a couple of podcasts ago, and I was making the argument for the 0203 season being the best season that we haven't won the Premier League title in. 
and yeah, that that the last derby at Main Road was thirteen seasons or thirteen years since we'd won a Manchester derby. So that was, you know, that was fucking huge. You know, you, you get into territory where, you know, at Old Trafford, they're going to start breaking out a banner and doing, you know, the countdown on that one. <laughs> like they had done previously about us winning a major trophy. We were unbeaten against so, them that uh, season as well, weren't we? Because we drew. Yeah, yeah. We Old drew at Old Trafford because I remember winding up Michael Hargreaves in English, the Manchester United fan, about uh, <laughs> restricting Manchester United back. Like taking four points off of them. So in our house, we had a framed picture of Gary Neville, like dismayed, walking back towards the centre circle, you know, like with his hands on his head. You worse than that. I hope we went to it. Ashton that one time, you know, that um, immortalised that (laughs) shit. We had a framed photo, but it wasn't on the wall because, you know, my mum would never allow, uh, allow something like that, but. That was just amazing. Uh, I think Anelka got the other goal as Nicolas well. Nicolas Anelka with his with his other two goals. Yeah, we had it. We had a proven Premier League class striker for the first time in God knows how long, and he made the difference. Was, was you there out. at that um, at that derby? No, our first season ticket was um, the first season at City of Manchester when it was called the City of Manchester. Nice, nice. Um, so uh, we did get to go to that. We did go to a couple of games that season, but I think the derby was sold out, especially because it was the last one. One other thing about that game that I always remember is, do you remember in the tunnel, Schmeichel was captain, Ronnie Peter Schmeichel was our captain that day. Uh, and Gary Neville refused to even look at him, refused to shake his hand, refused to speak to him, and then just got showed up by Gower in the box as well. You, you couldn't have made that day any more perfect as a City fan. Yeah, fuck him. It's, it's, that's so Gary Neville, isn't it? You know, like, I'll... I want this steely determination of an attitude. If that camera wasn't in his face, like two feet in front of him, there's absolutely no fucking way he'd have done that. He was playing up to the cameras, trying to give it big and yeah, very, very uh, just desserts, a bit of humble pie from Gary Neville. I know he likes to sip his wine out on Twitter, but he had to take out his fork and eat a bit of humble pie for that one. As he did. So that's my favourite derby. Obviously another one that you have to mention. Um, and I'm interested to see whether you think it's better, was obviously the 6-1. Which is the better derby for you? Which is the, the more fondly looked upon derby? The more fondly looked upon derby for me is the last one at Main Road, obviously, because, you know, it just meant a lot being quite a young City fan and not really having a lot going for us at the time. I mean, back in the Premier League and doing really well under Kevin Keegan, but to to beat him in the last derby at Main Road and then to go out, you know, and play on the street and have, like, the other Manchester United fans, the other kids in the neighbourhood say, trash, like, we only let you have it because it was the last derby. <laughs> and even then, being like, as young as I was, I was being like, right, so they, but they're giving away three points yeah. and they're in a title race. Okay, yeah, yeah exactly. That's taking nothing away from the from the six one. I mean, I, I think if you were to extend this beyond the realms of this podcast, I think the majority of City fans would probably say the six one is more important. I mean, that's why it still gets chanted in stadiums oh, today. A demolishing, like like you'll always remember an absolute demolishing. What was your favorite moment out of that? I mean, it's everybody's, isn't it? Is is David Silver's pass? Even though it David ended with, pass, yeah. even though it ended with a certain somebody scoring a goal from it, 
you can't. <laughs> that that was proto Kevin De Bruyne, wasn't it? It was. It was. I think my two memories out of that are Roberto Mancini's smile oh. on the on the bench. You know, Absolutely. just loving life. Uh, I think you know, there's definitely a meme in that where he's just sort of laid back with his arms folded, you know, like big cheesy grin on him. And the other memory that I've got of that is it actually could have been more like 8-1 if oh, yeah, we, Eddie Jekyll batted. would have put away those chances. <laughs> well, you could say that about a lot of games, couldn't you? <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm sure my hate for Eddie Jekyll will pervade this podcast for years to come, but I don't want to talk about him during the, the Derby Day special. <laughs> so yeah. We'll leave it well, at that. Um... been a great pass to uh, an unmentioned striker. Uh, and that's my favourite. <laughs> the only other one that I'd add on there, and it's just because it was my favourite derby that I've ever been to, was I think it was two seasons later when we beat them 2-1 at Old Trafford. Me and my dad were in the away end. And it's the one where Sergio Aguero you know, takes the ball outside the area, runs with it like on his own, gets past like three of their defenders to that corner angle that he loves to shoot from. Yeah. And like twats it past De Gea, Phil Jones and De Gea. And it's the one where Phil Jones, you know, gets the still image of him with that massive gurn on his You're going to have to be a lot more yeah, specific. Then... <laughs> There's a lot. Of that, that was the main one. Yeah, yeah. And then Aguero comes and runs over and celebrates like right in front of where we were sat. Or like just because, you know, you're a bit further up, aren't you, in the way, the way end, but like right down below us. So I think that was my favourite Derby Day memory of being at the ground just because of how brilliant that was. And it was the first time I'd been to Old Trafford for ages, um, or at least while I had a season ticket at the City of Manchester Stadium. And just seeing how better our stadium was in comparison to theirs was, you know, that was jaw-dropping to me as well. There's a reason they call it the Swamp, though. Mm-hmm. Um, of course, why it's not just about because that, it's that. not in Manchester. Yeah, exactly. They, they were, I also remember there was also, I think it was a 2-1, the, the corner shit housery when uh, we just kept it in the corner for the last 10 minutes of the game. Yeah. Can't forget that either. One thing I did make a note of about, uh, just to go back to the last Derby main road, do you know who their goal scorer was that day? Uh, hard pressed off the top of my head, no. It was Ollie. Ollie going to Solskjaer. Ollie going to Solskjaer. So, yeah, better typical. revenge for Ali tomorrow uh, on Sunday. Hopefully not, uh, but we'll see. Better so, repetition, hopefully. Still, you know, they can score, but as long I'll as we, we pick up the three points, yeah. Yeah, I'll take a 3-1, that's fine. Any other derbies you want to talk about before we move on to a brand new segment? Well, I was just going to say, we've talked about some brilliant derbies, but a bit of, um, to bring it down just a little bit, do you want to tell the our experience watching a derby uh, okay. in town? <laughs> uh, you mean when we were looking for a place to watch a derby which had a very good first half and a very bad second half uh, what was it two years ago it was the 17-18 season the Centurion oh, season me. longer than that so there is a place in town just near Mackie Mayers the Burton I can't Arms. Called, the Burton Arms um, it's which, no longer exist in existence, which, you know, I it gives me a wry smile every time I walk past it. Well, me, me young me, young Richard and uh, my fiancé Megan were just looking for an innocent place to watch our beloved Blues kick the shit out of some United. Uh, so we, we found the Burton Arms on the top road 
quiet little pub, which had, had a couple of guys in the back watching the football. About 20 minutes before it starts, a guy dressed in full blue, badges all over him, ginger wig, came out screaming, City, City. So we thought, oh, we're safe here. This, this is, this is a, at least a, a neutral pub, if not a city pub. Until the game kicks off and it fills with the most rags I've ever seen outside a stadium. The most raggedy rags. <laughs> uh, so we're sat there thinking, what the fuck? We're, we're going to stand our ground. We're going to stand our ground. We're not going to get forced out. We're going to watch the game. First goal goes in. Was it Ilkay? I think it was Ilkay. Oh, mate, no. Ilkay's the second goal. Oh, it was Ilkay the, the second goal. So first goal goes in. There's muted celebrations from us because we're trying to keep on the down low a little bit. Uh, and then a guy sidles his way over to get a little bit closer to you who was standing behind me. Second goal goes in. Me and you have clocked that maybe we're getting noticed. So your celebration consists of a rub of the shoulders on me. <laughs> it was, I think it, was, it wasn't even that obvious. It was like a pat on the back, like yeah, an, really. an acknowledgement of like, we're doing this here, mate. We're winning the league today. That did not go unnoticed, however slight it was by the fellow next to you. Uh, and it especially didn't go unnoticed because Megs can't hide her feelings and turned around and yelped <laughs> right in front. <laughs> to which we were given the immortal line, I'll let you deliver it. You've been marked. You've been You've marked, lads. So we very quickly left that pub because I, we were told by, by the fellow who marked us I assume well, it was some kind after of... about a, a five-minute shouting match. Oh, yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> you, yeah. You did have a shouting match. And then after Meg's... They, we almost scored again, didn't we? And it went wide and Meg's yelped again. Uh, and then he said, you best get her out of here. And then we were just like, right, yeah, is, yeah. It, is it worth it? So we started leaving. As we were leaving, he grabs you and goes, look, mate, I'm only thinking about you. I'm just, I'm just trying to. Do you remember? He was like, "I'm just trying to, yeah, just okay, trying to stop all. you from getting in any trouble." So we got marked. We left there. We tried to find a place to play the rest of the game. I'm just trying to stop you from getting any in any trouble with me because I'm the one. I'm the one <laughs> causing trouble. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, we were yeah. marked. We we could never go in the burn arms again. Uh, we ended up finding dive that were playing the game, and then Paul Pogba played out of his skin, and we ended up losing. So great, great yeah. day for all involved. Uh, Not only that, but we. The, the queue at dive was that big that we literally got in, into dive before the second half started. And then by the time that, before I'd even got served, United were two all. Yeah. <laughs> so I, I've got the score up in front of me. Yeah, Paul Pogba got two goals within two minutes and 53 and 55. And we didn't get served until like gone 60. And by yeah. the time we were stood there now, like really pissed off with our pints, Smalling comes up and gets the third goal, and I'm not even sure if we <laughs> if we saw and the game out at that point. The weird thing was, Dive was fully United fans as well. Like there was no City fans in there. It was just we were less yeah. marked because we we like couldn't cheer because there was no nothing happening. Uh, it was probably the worst pub going experience of my life. Mm-hmm. But at least you get the. But story just out to um. Just to put it on a good note, literally a week later, me, Will and Dan went to go and watch the United West Brom game in Shack, which was uh, close to me on Dale Street at the time. And they lost 1-0 <laughs> to West Brom, who were going down in that game. And yeah, we actually got to celebrate. It was a week later, but we did get to celebrate in public in a pub city winning the title. 
I don't know what you're bragging about. You should have gone to Burn <laughs> Yeah, I think after a couple of pints, it got suggested. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right, we talked about our favourite derbies. We talked about our very much least favourite derby. Do you fancy a new segment? I would be delighted, mate. What, what do you have in mind? So normally, we have got our debate at this point because it's a derby day special. We're doing something special. No points on offer or anything like that. It's just a bit of fun, uh, especially because James can't get involved. I thought it would be fun to do a Derby Day bingo. When it, it's really a Derby Day checklist, but, but it doesn't sound as good. So I believe we've both come up with five things that will definitely happen during the game tomorrow, completely independent of each other. Um, so yeah. we could overlap. We could be completely different. Who knows? We're going to read them out now. We're going to talk through them. We both get one veto. So if you think a point's too easy or you think a point's too vague for a derby, feel free to veto it out. Or not, uh, yeah, not derby specific enough, I think, is my worry on this one. Exactly. We'll, we'll, gone, we'll find out. I've gone very specific, except for a lot of gameplay stuff was really hard for me to think of. Uh, a lot of it is commentary-based, I'll be honest. And I'll be listening to the commentary. So I'll, I'll... I was going to say that will compliment me very well because I will have the match on mute because I yeah. refuse to watch a derby listening to Gary Neville or Jamie Carragher for 90 minutes. So, so I'll the, rely on you telling the truth for that. The, uh, I'll be completely fair and honest, I promise. So I'm thinking time limit on this. I'm going to start watching it when it starts. So when the coverage starts, I'm going to finish watching it on that just after 90 minutes. I'm not going to sit and watch okay. the, whole, the whole... Once, it once it's like, send back to the studio. Yeah, that, yeah that's yeah. when I'm cutting it off. And I'll watch it all the way through there. So I'll listen to commentary. I'll watch the game intently. And I'll probably be updating. I'm probably going to put a bingo card up on Twitter and I'll update it as and when things get ticked off. Oh, thank so you. It keeps it a bit easy to see. Uh, so we've got five each. We've also got a spare sixth one, I hope, just in case one of them gets vetoed. Uh, So we'll start with you, pal. What's your first checklist point? So the first one I've got here on my Derby Day checklist is an obvious Bruno Fernandes dive that the referee gives without question or hesitation. Okay. okay. Well, I've gone very similar, but not quite the same. I didn't think it would be for that. I I thought Martial would be the one who dived. I'm fairly certain there's right, going to be okay. a Martial. Though. I was going to put Bruno Fernandes, um, and I just thought he'll take it, but I don't think he'll... Does he dive that much? Yes. Oh, I mate, do you not remember that? There's that one where... Um, I know the one where he, he, he stood on the guy. He stands butt. on... Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's I know, the only I, one I, I could think, think of, though. But I know Martial dives a lot, so I went for Martial. To be honest, mate, I think Martial's not going to start. I, I struggle with that, so I, I took the risk because I thought... Who are, who's, Cavani's only just fit they don't play Rashford up front anymore they play him on the left so as far as I'm that leaves Martial and he is fit fair enough I mean they've, they started Dan James the last couple but that, that could be with one mind on resting Martial for this one so yeah so uh, it might not be if it isn't whatever Bruno Fernandes will definitely play so I think you're a bit safer on that than I am but yeah we both clearly think there's going to be some diving in the Manchester City penalty box I did think it might be too unspecific but I'm glad you because I was going to put Martial dives for a pen in the last like 20 minutes when they're when they're down and looking for any way back in but if I'll let you stretch that out then that's fine Uh, right we'll do one of mine Um, commentary based 
at some point during the game, doesn't have to be these exact words, but the power shift in Manchester will be mentioned at some point. I'm fairly certain nice. it'll be. I'm fairly certain it'll be before the game. I guarantee it. What's your second one? So I go down a similar route. This is the only one that I think, or the only one I might use, which is commentary related. We'll see as we go on. But I'm going to go for the noisy neighbours oh, okay. in reference to Manchester the City of the because. Yeah, to me, it's, you know, it's so overplayed at this point. I mean, when did Ferguson coin it? And it wasn't really that inventive then. You know, I'm, I'm glad that, you know, the actual Noisy Neighbours over in America, the Noisy Neighbours podcast, like, reclaimed that for Manchester <laughs> City. But these commentators still <laughs> like it's a slur it now. <laughs> yeah, 100%. <laughs> Am I going to be kind and sort of let things in the same vein, the United Little City or those across town, you know, or, or does it have to be noisy neighbours that they say, or can it be I'm, a general spirit? For this, no, for this one for me, because this is very spe- specific guile cliche, I'm oh, going okay. for, it has to be the noisy neighbours in quotation marks. Right, okay, that's fine. That's, that's fine by me. What's your yeah. third one? So for my third one, I'm going to go for a goal by Manchester City conceded by David De Gea at his near post, which people will think he should save and that sends the Manchester United fan base into a massive meltdown because of that's his perceived quote-unquote weakness, even though he's got many, and it'll start the conversation about why didn't we play Henderson, etc., etc. So if you'll let me have that, I'm going to go for goal by David De Gea's near post that should be saved. Okay, so so because I was going to say, if you're going to be as specific as United going into meltdown on Twitter, <laughs> I'm going to have to comb through the replies for, for an hour while I see. You can take the, because I've got it here, um, the actual is goal via David De Gea's near post, which sends the United fan base slash Roy Keane into meltdown. Oh, so the okay. side equivalent of that is like, so it, it, it's something that gets mentioned at commentary that causes him to have like one of his Irish too many Guinnesses kind of rants. Okay. They're over the top. My third one, I've got two commentary ones left and a gameplay one, so we'll go with the commentary one. I am waiting for somebody to say that the winning run doesn't matter because it's Derby Day and anything can happen. Anything in that spirit that's close to that, and obviously not just anything, but anything that, that is clearly in that spirit is uh, is my third one. So, so say, for example, Martin Tyler goes, if Manchester City win this, it's 22 straight league games, but they won't be minded about that because it's Derby Day. No, I think I think that's a different sentiment. That's Derby Day means more. The streak doesn't matter because anything could happen on Derby Day. That that's the the frame. Of I get you. Going for. So it doesn't matter if we'd won our last hundred. This is Derby Day, and form goes out the window. Is is the sentiment that I'm, that I'm going for with it? I think that that one's a bit vague, more vague, but uh, because it's specific to Derby Day, let's allow that one in and we'll go through to you, your next one as well, Cam, number four. I've put in for, might not happen because it depends if we win it, some corner shithousery <laughs> uh, in the last yes. 10 minutes or so. I had that as well as one of my backup options, but you'll see later from my score prediction, I don't think there's going to be any need for shithousery at this point. So I'm glad you've taken that one, mate. Okay, good. <laughs> well, for my score, I think there might have to be. So. 
Well, there we go. Works out. Um, what's your? Are we on your fourth one now? Yeah, we are. I've got a couple left, and I'm not quite sure what to go for here because two of them are very similar. I will separate them here. For my fourth one, I'm going to go for a Raheem Sterling missing a sitter. Is that so specific like, to Derby Day enough? Because he does it a lot. He, well, he does it a lot, but I'm thinking very specifically. Do you remember the the one that we battered them at in the League Cup? I think it might have been last year where we should have been like 5-0 up at halftime and, and he, it's, he gets the ball passed across to him. Maybe it's not Derby Day specific, but it's big game specific, I think, for Raheem Sterling where he... He gets all in his head about it, doesn't he? And where he can just tap the ball in and it ends up going like high and wide. What do you reckon? Am I, am I allowed that one? What was the other one you had that was similar? If you will have the same criticism of this. It's uh, <laughs> Manchester City missing a penalty. <laughs> <laughs> well, see, the, the reason I say that was because one I had and I removed because I didn't think it was specific enough was uh, the cost of the bench. That is my fifth. Uh, no, sorry, the, not the um, not the cost of the bench, but a price comparison where they literally get like go through and and do maybe even a graphic and compare the cost of the teams. You're like with a total at the end, like and go through every starting player. I think you could have that if they mentioned as well the the change in fortune. So it would have been United who used to have a bench of that price. And that how things have changed, sort of thing, because then it would be specific to the derby. Okay, yeah, let's do that. If you you can add the little, uh, so I'll put price comparison and brackets winds of change. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> scorpions winds of change. I'll let you have the sterling one. Uh, we'll we'll let you have that. Cool. And then so that's your five, right? If you include that's all my five. Yeah. So my last one is I think they'll mention that Ollie was the the scorer in that three one at some point. And, and I'm sure it'll be Ollie scored in the 3 1. Uh, is he back to ruin things again or something along those lines? Martin Tyler is a cliche machine, so I'm pretty confident that that one will go ahead. Any that you want a veto from me? Because the only other one I've got is very general, I'll be honest with you. Let's let's hear the, the one that you're not going to use then. Controversial VAR call in the last 15 minutes uh, that, leave, that sort of leaves the game on a knife. Edge. We'll stick with the ones that you've that you've got there because I think, yeah. Okay. So do you want to go through your five real quick just yep. to confirm and lock them in? So uh, to split them by category on the commentary, we've got that there's a power shift in Manchester, which there has been for a bloody decade. Uh, we've got that the winning run doesn't matter because it's Derby Day and anything can happen on Derby Day. We've got, remember when Ollie scored in the 3-1 win at Main Road in the last game? And then in terms of gameplay, I think we've got to have some corner shit housery. And uh, Anthony Martial will at some point die for a penalty, given or not. Is the corner shit housery Manchester City? Yes, Manchester City corner shit housery to be specific. Yeah. Perfect. And my five for the Derby Day bingo are obvious Bruno Fernandes dive that the referee gives without hesitation or question. The noisy neighbours being mentioned on commentary. Also on commentary, a price comparison of the two teams and how that has shifted and changed since the takeover. A goal to David De Gea's near post that should have been saved by him that sends the Manchester United fan base and or Roy Keane into a meltdown. And Raheem Sterling missing a sitter from a very obvious goal-scoring opportunity. There was one final one that 
I was going to put until I saw that he couldn't play. Uh, and that was Graham Sudis going at Paul Pogba. <laughs> but he is... Paul Pogba can't play, can he not? He, I believe I checked the injury list today and I believe he's injured. So shouldn't be playing unless transfer market's wrong. But, I can't I mean, see him honest, having any great impacts on the game anyway. He's more likely, I mean, talking about Manchester United. So I was going to say for them, Fred and McTominay are in really good form at the minute anyway. Do you reckon I, if Pog, Paul Pogba was fit, do you think he'd have even started for him? Against City, yeah, I do. He just plays against us and especially he seems to play well against us. Not all the time, but all he's been accused recently of, you know, show, um, playing safe against the big teams, specifically like that. Fred and McTominay always play against the big team um, because he's he's scared of breakaways and he's scared of losing. But again, to 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 coin a cliche, Derby Day is different, isn't it? Like, I don't think the fan base would accept him not going for the game tomorrow. And a lot of them are already... Especially the when they're anyway. 15 points behind. I mean, we're recording this currently on, um, on Wednesday before United play Palace, so... Yeah. But at the, at the moment, they're 15 points behind. So it, I, if you were a Manchester United fan, they'd be, they would be right to criticise Oli for that because they do need to go for it. This is like one of the only, maybe you could make an argument for that Chelsea game they had recently, but the only one really that, yeah, put your marker down and actually try and make this a title race towards the end of the season. What do you reckon of Oli at Manchester United in general? I like him though. But I'm a safe fan, <laughs> yeah. so, so I mean, I, he was the one United player that when they when they were there, I was always like, I don't mind Oli Gunnar Solskjaer. He seems all right, so it's hard to like hate him. And again, I like what he's doing at United; it's really good. I think I think they they conned themselves into they chopped and changed managers, and then now they've conned themselves into it by being again we're not the club that chops and changes managers when maybe they should. Do you know what I mean? Yeah. I reckon that he's a better manager than we've given him credit for. And he's a better manager than a lot of fans, not just City fans, but a lot of people thought he was last season. I think he's proven that this season, but he's still not up to the task that it would take to win the Premier League or win a major trophy with Manchester United. And I think the proof of that is if he left Manchester United at the end of the season, where do you think he'd go? Because yeah, I don't think he's getting... You won't get out of the top. No. No way. Uh, it's a poison chalice, that job. Um, it, it's it's taken Mourinho down to Spurs' level. It's taken Louis van Gaal's not had a job since, I don't think. Moyes is David doing Moyes, very well like, at West Ham. But, you know, <laughs> but he it took to him a long time. through the desert for 40 years. Yeah, <laughs> yeah exactly. So it, it's a poison chalice. And anybody who takes that job needs to be so certain that they know what they're doing and they're a great manager. Um, and how do they get them now when they're not consistently challenging for titles and stuff? Basically, they need another class of 92. They just need another crop of youngsters that will just completely up the talent ratio and put them back on top of it. It'll never happen again, will it? So long may it rain. Long may Ollie rain. It's fine by me. Um, what do you make of how they've done this season then? I mean, they've done as well as they can, can't they? Aren't they? Like, I can't say I look at their results too much. But seconds. do you think they're better than 18 other teams in the league? No, because I don't. I, I think, but that's where they are currently. It's a, it's a. There's one great team, four or five teams that are all doing less than they should be, and then five, 15 other teams. 
because um, Liverpool should be higher up than they are. Chelsea should probably be better than they are. Spurs were doing really well and just experienced that Mourinho plummet. They're on par with those teams. I think they're, they're deserved in the place that they're in, but only because everybody else is just as bad. They haven't had like consistent bad patch of games. Like you said, all the other traditional top six have, including City, like we've gone through our bad patch of games and Manchester United have just seemed to sort of spread theirs out across the season. So that at the moment, it looks like they're the next best team in the Premier League. But I'll get into it more in my um, score prediction, but it wouldn't surprise me if we see a bit of a drop-off from them and whether they finish second or not. Exact depends on exactly what you said, if any of the other teams can pull themselves up by the bootstraps and actually make a go of it. You can say that they've gone for big managers, have they? They went for Moyes, which was obviously a, a romance thing because Ferguson wanted Moyes. They went for Louis van Gaal, who is he one of the best managers in the world. Like he, he was at Holland and he brought, remember he brought Tim Krul on to save penalties in, in the Euros, was it? Um, World Cup masterclass. Yeah. He's, he, he's, was a, one of the top managers. Well, he's not anymore. They brought Mourinho in, who's, who's star had very much faded by the point he'd come in. They got Ollie in. They've got to bite the bullet. And, because when we needed a new manager, we brought, we brought in the best manager in the world. I think they've got to bite the bullet and bring in they're a mess of a football club, basically. Yeah. The the Mourinho thing is is the the real downfall of Manchester United for me. You know, they messed up with Moyes, absolutely, of course. Van Gaal probably wasn't really up to the task, but the Mourinho one is where it all just the it just fell down. It was like Humpty Dumpty falling off the wall. Can't put that back together again now because he was just so outside of what they needed. Like they sacked Van Gaal literally because he didn't play quote unquote Manchester United style of football. And then the guy that they get in is Jose Mourinho. (laughs) And the reason why they do that, the sole reason why they do that is because City getting Pep Guardiola and they see their ass and they think, no, we need to sell our soul. We need to just get Mourinho at any cost and hope that he can do what he did in Madrid in Manchester. And they betrayed the philosophy. They went against everything that they stood for in getting him. And the trade-off was supposed to be Premier League, Champions League. It was supposed to be that old Mourinho level of, if you're selling your soul, you want it to be worth something. And all they got out of it was a fucking League Cup and the Europa League trophy. So they've been fucked ever since. They should have got rid of Solskjaer when Pochettino was available. They should have got rid of Solskjaer when Tuchel was available. You know, how many more of these good up-and-coming world-class managers need to be out of a job and they decide to stick with Ole Gunnar fucking Solskjaer? Like, exactly. absolute trash. They deserve everything they get. Could never be my club. Fuck every <laughs> club but mine. Uh, all right. I think we've had enough. Not especially then. We've had enough uh, piling on Ole Gunnar Solskjaer ahead of his defeat on Sunday. Shall we talk about predicted 11? Yeah, let's do it. So, because me and you have gone for the exact same starting 11 (laughs) in our prediction. Shall we go through James's first and then we'll just say what, you know, what we would have done differently. Exactly. So we've all got Edison as per usual. We should just clip that from a recording and just use it every time. James decided to go for a similar back four to the Wolves game, Walker, Stones, Diaz and Cancelo. 
Stars and Diaz, I assume, for the same reason we went for them, which for me was because they were the they're our strongest pairing. It's United and they might not be doing that well. Um, so they'll probably do well against us. So I, I did want as stronger. But this uh, is a um, back line as this well. is a must-win game, really, because if we can win this one and be either 15 or 18 points over and the league's done, absolutely. There's no going oh, yeah. back at that point. Leicester have just drawn with Burnley. They're going to have their end of season slump now. So they might not even finish in the top four. They're not a challenge. Literally play what is our essentially our best 11 and just yeah. have this done. And, and Stones and Diaz are in that best 11 every single time. Exactly. Uh, I, I assume, I don't want to speak for James, but I'm going to assume he's picked Walker because of Rashford. Maybe a bit of pace to keep up with Rashford on the left would be. You can argue that James has picked. Walker and Cancelo, as you said, as both fullbacks. I, I'd accept the argument that they're our best four, our best back four. But I just think that you'll want a left footer on that left side. And, you know, me and you have gone for Cancelo on the right and Zinchenko on the left. And yeah. the last game we beat Manchester United in, those were the fullbacks. At Anfield, those were the fullbacks. I reckon Pep thinks that those are our best two fullbacks as well. So do I. I was going to say, I think saying Cancelo and Walker are the strongest set of formats is a bit dismissive of Zinchenko at the moment because he hasn't put a foot wrong in eight or, eight or nine games now. So I, I would consider him our strongest left back. And on top of that, Cancelo was absolutely amazing against Wolves, even though he stayed wide the whole time. But he's, he's just not a patch on when he can come in field. And I guess it's harder to do that on your weak, when you, you know, your strong foot's in field. So yeah. he still had a, a brilliant, right. brilliant game against oh, yeah, Wolves, yeah, yeah. though. I, I he, thought, yeah, he's unbelievable. But I would prefer him on his stronger side, being able to cut in field again like he does, and have Zinchenko on the left, like you say, left footed, not worrying about that. Because if Cancelo can come in field, that leads to the three in the midfield that we've all that we've all picked: Rodri, Bernardo, and Gundogan. Cancelo comes in field, that leaves Gundogan to do what Gundogan's been doing. Um, and going mad against United. Again, you, you had a, a possible substitution there, and I'll be honest, I almost did the same thing. We, we were thinking about Fernandinho in for Rodri. Do you, uh, why, why, why did that enter your mind? Because he, similar like you say to Zinchenko, he hasn't put a foot wrong in any game that he's been in. You know, um, I thought Rodri had a brilliant game against Wolves, but he does have that moment where he's tackled, and then because of how integral that position is the formation we're using at the moment. Wolves were suddenly through on our goal, five plays to three, and Rodri isn't quick enough to recover from that kind of thing. Whereas, but, you know, there's the argument, I don't know if, is Fernandinho that quick to recover from that still? Is he good enough with the ball at his feet that he even gets tackled there, or has the ball already been moved on? He doesn't need uh, to be, does he? Fer- Fernandinho is a master of the dark art. He doesn't need to be. Uh, uh, yeah. So he, Rodri's suffers from a sliding tackle. If that's Fernandinho, you you know, doubt, he doubt. accidentally falls <laughs> stuck first on the player's throat. So <laughs> yeah. I would have no no um, worries and no surprise if Fernandinho did start on Sunday, but we've got Rodri. And he did start of... against Manchester United in the last game. I just don't think that Pep's going to choose an identical starting eleven to, to who he played against United last and so one of those, you know, 
one of the sacrifices I think can be made there without sweating it too much is is uh, Rodri for Fernandinho. So I'm not going to do that substitution and I am going to stick with Rodri. So again, the, the other two in the midfield for all three of us was Bernardo and Gundogan. Uh, for anybody worrying where KDB might be, we've all picked the same front three as well. Um, and that's uh, Foden, Sterling and KDB down the middle. Is this a game that maybe we'd be better off with a recognised striker or is a false nine enough to do it, do we think? False nine's enough to do it. I reckon that Harry Maguire and his massive square head and, you know, whoever it is that's next to him, Lindelof usually, they're not smart enough to to focus on an interchanging forward line of Bernardo, Gundogan, Sterling, Foden, KDB, interchanging one running behind, one dropping deep. Who do they mark? Yeah, I'd more than happily play a Falstein and a non-recognised striker there. And I was saying to you before, I could literally see any player on our lineup starting. It was one of the, it's been the toughest one for me to choose the whole time we've been doing this because Jesus and Mares just had, Mares maybe his best game in a city shirt. Jesus had a, a brilliant game against Wolves. And to see them miss out against United is sad, but at the same time, he's talking about resting, he's talking about rotation. Somebody is probably going to go out. So to replace them with Foden, Sterling, KDB, whoever is, is fine. But I could see Jesus starting. I could see Mares keeping his place. Uh, I said to you before, I could even see Garcia making an appearance because it's his first time. Like, <laughs> it, it, I'm not quite anybody. on that level. I could no, see literally uh, anybody starting except Benjamin Mendy. But that is anybody. <laughs> that would be left field. Benjamin Mendy is a false nine. <laughs> so I am um, already made myself at peace that I could be losing three or four points, I could be getting a full 11, it could be literally anything Uh, and I have no idea. At least you know that because we've picked such similar starting lineups You won't be pulling away from them. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah, There's one different with James there who thinks Walker will play as opposed to Zinchenko and then the rest of us is absolutely spot We've never been in such agreement. So it's the team that's got to start, right? Like I say, (laughs) Eric Garcia incoming. By the way, just uh, before we move on, very quickly, Aguero, you don't think this is a game for resurgent Sergio Aguero? I would play him, but I don't think Pep will. Okay. I would play him because I I think he wants that record, doesn't he? He wants that Derby gold record that Rooney's got. I just don't think he's fit enough yet. I would play him, but I know Pep won't. So that's why I didn't go for him. But again, Derby day, anything could happen, as Martin Tyler will say on Sunday. So James has selected as his goal scorer for the game, Raheem Sterling. And he's gone for a scoreline of 3-1 to Manchester City. They will concede a goal, City, but just like that uh, last derby at Main Road, it's going to end up 3-1. What do you think, Cam? I am going for an edgier game, 2-1. Big boy Phil Foden will uh, get a, a wonder goal. And cheer, <laughs> cheer right oh. in front of where the fans would be. Hold on a second there, mate. You've just said something and my uh, point sense is tingling there. You say he's going to get a wonder goal, so you just don't think he's going to be the goal scorer. You think he's going to score a worldie as well. Do you want to... Uh, I don't know if I want to wager on this because a worldie is, is very subjective. <laughs> what, what are we classing okay. as a worldie? No, we'll, 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 we'll... It was hyperbole. He'll score a goal. <laughs> is what I think. <laughs> fair enough, fair enough. I also think that Foden will score a goal, but I'm going for a very ambitious 
score line. You've James has replicated the uh, last derby at Main Road, and we talked about you've replicated the score line that I talked about being at Old Trafford. I'm going to replicate this six-one, but this time at the Etihad, I think Manchester City win this six goals to one. Speaking of points, Pets, I'm willing to offer you something on that. Oh yeah, if we win six-one, exactly, and I'll override James on this. I'm willing to let you have three points for that, but on the condition. Ooh. For every goal off you are on the city side, so just the city side, you'll lose the amount of points that the difference is. So if they win 3-1, you lose three points. If they win 5-1, you lose one point. Is that worth it to you? I like that. And this is a negotiation between okay. gentlemen. Okay. So I will accept the one-point loss to every goal that I'm out of. Okay. I accept that. But I want five points if it's six one because it's a very specific and accurate scoreline and very ambitious. And I feel that the level of dedication that's been going into up the stakes on that deserves a bigger reward than three points because I'm getting three points for getting the lineup right anyway. You know that. Would Would you accept if it matched for their side as well? So if if you were wrong on their goals, that one is included for five points. So for basically every yeah. goal you're off on the scoreline is a point. Yes, yes, I accept that, yeah. Okay, right, that's fine. We'll digitally shake on it. So to clear that up for the people, out there will be a graphic that goes up on the day itself. At Topical City Pod on Twitter. Uh, but to clear that up, say City won 7-2, Richard would lose two points, one for each goal he was out on the side. Say they won 4-0, he would lose three points because he got the score wrong in that way, so on and so forth. But if he goes six-one exactly, that's five points to Richard. And I, I know it'll happen now. Now that it's that many points, one hundred percent that will be the score on Sunday. I'm very confident on this. I think that some people think it'll be a cagey game. I think your scoreline reflects that a yeah. little bit. But I actually think that their dross and they played super defensive, but we've got the way of strangling that out of uh, teams at the minute. And once we break them down, their confidence is going to go, everything's going to go, and um, their arse will go, we'll batter them. 6-1. Well, I look forward to the table being a bit tighter. Let's just say that. Is there any other business that you'd like to talk about before we end the special Derby Day podcast? What do you think the name of the podcast is going to be? Um, that was a very sarcastic comment because we've literally said the Derby Day special <laughs> about 20 times <laughs> I was actually I was thinking what, what's a quote from the podcast that this been said <laughs> uh, that's fair that's fair that makes sense uh, okay well, well we'll call it there then reminder uh, on Derby Day just go to the Topical City Pod on Twitter there'll be the bingo cards being updated you'll see the predictions you'll see Richard's insane points wager I do hope we are celebrating a 6 one win very upset um, if you get a shitload of points but it's been lovely talking to you pal yeah we should do this just me and you more often yeah but it's now at the Etty Lads minus one from going forward bye all Sanji bye